Welcome to the Westminster Pulpit, an extension of the worship ministry at Westminster Presbyterian Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Please contact us for permission before reproducing this message in any format, and may this sermon nurture your life in a meaningful way as we proclaim our Savior. We now join Executive Pastor Dr. Tucker York. I invite you all to turn in your Bible to John chapter 1 as we continue in this short Advent series from John 1. In the beginning, the first thing God spoke into existence was light. In Genesis 1, we find that the Spirit of God was hovering over the darkness of the waters to bring order and life. We depend upon light for sight, for energy. We depend upon the true light of the world to see truth that sets us free from spiritual darkness. Please follow as I read John 1, verses 6 through 13. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, And the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This is the word of God. Father, I would indeed ask this evening that the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts might be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Physicists tell us that light is both a particle and a wave. Light moves in straight lines. Light also fans out in wave fashion. It's a mystery. Science doesn't fully comprehend it. In a parallel way, Jesus is both God and man. The God-man sent on an errand by his Father to redeem the world in truth and righteousness. We don't fully comprehend how Jesus is fully God and man. But this Advent, we celebrate the truth and the hope that Jesus is the light of the world. In this introduction to John's Gospel... He introduces the Jesus as the true light by way of revelation, righteousness, and restored relationship with the living God. Jesus, by way of revelation, comes in a testimony of truth to the forerunner, John the Baptist. John, the author of the gospel, not the Baptist, but the apostle John, brings his introduction to his gospel with an unmistakable allusion to the creation account. John refers to Jesus as the Word, the light, and the life. John testifies about this person with whom he walked, ate with, and learned about ministry from, was a member of the triune Godhead, through whom all of creation, all the universe, was made. 
The Apostle Paul uses similar language in Colossians 1, insisting that Jesus, in Jesus, all the creation is held together. God spoke to bring forth light and life at creation. And now the Son comes to bring light and life by way of redemption. John testifies that light has been victorious over darkness, summarizing Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. John the Baptist came to bear witness, to be a testimony, and like him, we also are a kind of lamp. We need oil, the Holy Spirit, in order to bear light. We can bear to God or like the moon. We merely reflect the true light of the sun. The Gospel of John is well known for its many I am statements from the mouth of Jesus. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Verse 9 summarizes this truth that Jesus is the true light. In this world, there are many artificial lights. There are many false messiahs, false hopes, empty political promises, misguided religious persuasions. People in their sin worship false gods, walk in darkness that leads them to pathways of destruction. Later in John 8, verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Truth counters lies. Lies in a world that insists that images everything. Have it your own way. It's all about you, and such lies leave us in bondage. But the light of God breaks the shackles and scatters the darkness of sin and ignorance. Also in chapter 8, Jesus says to the Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's truth that gives freedom from falsehood and bondage. In his dialogue with Pontius Pilate, Jesus says, For this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Truth brings all things to light. As a kid growing up in Texas, my family and I would spend one week each summer at a lake house about 60 miles north of Houston. And out there further away from the city lights, you could behold the stars and the constellations and all their glory without the tainting of city light. And I can remember one particular night, a great meteor shower. In fact, I counted at least a dozen meteors just disintegrating across the night sky and just beholding these natural fireworks while hearing the sounds of the lake beat against the pier below me was quite the experience. The contrast to the true light in the night sky, up at the house in the back, there was a different light and sound, a bug zapper. 
there to kind of keep pests away from the house, and every once in a while a large bug would fly and zoom to his doom with a loud zap. There are false lights in the world that attract people to their doom. They promise life and freedom through self-expression by making your own rules, rebelling against authority, snubbing your nose against the Bible and Christ church. Such lights behold fame and glory through our human performance, through education, through get-rich-quick schemes, through the health and wealth gospel, and all kinds of traps that lead to slavery. Broad is the path that is lit with artificial lights that lead to destruction. Many signs along the way promise ease and comfort and security, the freedom to indulge one's desires, offering and assuring God's peace without repentance, beholding the siren call of instant gratification. Rather than the biblical call to forsake riches and comforts and security in order to receive eternal rewards. As John will bear witness at the end of his gospel, his testimony is true. A man who was willing to suffer unto death, the claiming that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. Jesus is the light who reveals truth to mankind. And in that light, he exposes our hearts of darkness. He convicts our hearts of sin. But in it, he also offers the hope of reconciliation. For all who repent of sin, leave the path that leads toward destruction and take up the straight and narrow path by the light of God. The prophet Isaiah condemns those who walk by the light of their own fires. They will lie down in torment. But those who trust in Jesus Christ walk in the light on the road to eternal life. This light is also spoken of in terms of righteousness in verses 10 through 11. Those who receive Jesus have the light. Those who reject him dwell in darkness forever. Jesus calls rebels out of the darkness to join him in the light. He exposes sin. He exposes in us, reveals in us a a need for another righteousness. Being empty and bankrupt of righteousness in and of ourselves. Jesus' righteousness condemns not only shameful lust and sins and violence and theft, but also self-righteousness. Trying to reconcile oneself to God on our own terms. There are many who would posit their own morality, laboring to please God by self-will and man-made religion. But verse 12 speaks of a kind of reconciliation that receives Jesus believing in his name. John 3, 36 will make it clear. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. When we wake up 
in the middle of the night or early in the morning and it's dark, our eyes have to adjust to the light. As we grow older, oftentimes we form cataracts in our eyes and the light has a hard time penetrating, getting through. Many people in their lives will need cataract surgery to remove the block so that light can get in to the optic nerve. All of us have cataracts spiritually. We need the eyes of our hearts enlightened and opened by the Holy Spirit. Scripture says that we must be born again, not of flesh or the will of the Father, but born of God. In contrast to those who receive the truth are those who reject it. It says here that Jesus was in the world, and though he had made the world, the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. The world was made by him, but it didn't know its own maker, and even worse, it did not want him. This testimony is consistent with Isaiah's suffering servant who was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with grief and sorrow. At his trial, the crowds cried out to have Barabbas pardoned and Jesus crucified. People deny the truth. They snuff out the light. Man in his rebellion against God loathes righteousness. It is painful to him. But John 3.19 says the light has come into the world. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Concerning the spirit, Jesus says, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. You recall how Paul had been a blind zealot against the church and then was blinded by the revelation and glory of Jesus Christ who convicted Paul and set him on a new path, giving him sight and faith and a vision to bear testimony to the truth before the Gentile world. In 1866, missionary Robert Thomas approached the Korean shore with Bibles in Chinese. His passion was to reach the Korean people who knew very little, if anything, of the Christian gospel. But as his ship was nearing shore, this Chinese ship got into a scuffle with the Korean Coast Guard. It led to a battle, into a tragic sinking of the ship, killing almost everybody on the ship except Robert Thomas and a few others. Thomas somehow managed to make his way to shore and also managed to salvage a few of these Chinese Bibles. But shortly after his arrival, when he was met by Korean soldiers, he was put to death as an intruder, as an invader, a foreigner, as a threat. Yet another pointless missionary death in a far-off land Well, as God would have it, some of those Korean soldiers could read Chinese, and they took the Bibles, 
And in time, some of them came to faith in Jesus Christ and were among those who were the early recipients of the waves of missionaries that would come later and establish Korea as the strongest Christian outpost in Asia. Korea sends more missionaries in the eastern part of the world than any other nation. In our fallen nature, men hate the light, love darkness, until they are rescued from it, given new eyes to see. The irreligious love darkness because they think they can hide and cover their sins. The worldly religious love darkness because it makes them look better by comparison to the irreligious. They reject God's light by their pride and self-righteousness. So we should not be surprised by the darkness in our society. We should not be surprised by the darkness that still remains in our Christian community, in the children that we raise, and even in our own hearts. Only the light can scatter the darkness. Each of us are like a candle. Nothing in comparison to the sun, but when candles are gathered, they can light up a whole room as we anticipate on Christmas Eve. Together as God's people, we take part in scattering the darkness. As John will write in his first epistle, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Well, thirdly, John testifies that we are rescued from a kingdom of darkness and brought into the light and are rewarded with a relationship with the living God. And in this way, we believe and are born into the kingdom of the living God. By nature, Scripture says that we are objects of wrath. We are not children of God from birth. In fact, the the great divide across the human race is not rich and poor. It's not male or female. It's not urban or suburban, Democrat or Republican, American or Chinese or East or West. The great divide is between the righteous and the unrighteous. The believer and the unbeliever, those who receive Jesus and those who refuse him. John says that those who receive him, who believe in him, must embrace Jesus as the only eternal Son of God. It's not acceptable to merely consent that he is a good moral teacher. He's not just a sentimental baby in the manger on Christmas Eve. It's by believing in him that we gain the rights as children of God. In the world's eyes, we are orphans, unwanted until we are embraced, adopted, and accepted by God with all the legal privileges of the sons and daughters of the living God. John also says that we are not just adopted, but we are born anew. As new creatures in Christ, birth is messy, 
but it is necessary for life. Birth is a struggle. It's painful. It's vulnerable. It's beautiful. And John says that we, as new creatures in Christ, are born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but born of God, initiated by our heavenly Father. Each and every one of us must be born again by faith in Jesus Christ. About eight years ago, our family hosted a high school girl from China named Lisa. And on Thanksgiving, we welcomed a young Chinese Christian couple that lived nearby to come and have dinner with us. And we listened to their story, their testimony, how they had come to America six years prior to go to grad school. And the husband was consumed in graduate work and his wife was lonely and hurting. And a group of Christian women reached out to her and as they ministered to her and prayed for her, she came to Christ. It transformed her life, and as her husband saw her peace and joy, he too embraced the gospel to follow Jesus Christ. And our student heard this testimony, and a few months later, she attended the Chinese New Year's service over at Calvary Church. And there she heard testimony after testimony of Chinese believers coming to faith in Christ. And for her, it was the first time that she realized that Christianity was not just a Western thing, but that Jesus was for all peoples. And it was just a year later while Lisa was living with another host family in our community that she too came to faith in Christ, professed faith, and was baptized in a nearby church. She was born again. It turned her life upside down, but brought joy, peace, and hope and brought and met her loneliness with a new and living relationship with God. The Father is drawing all kinds of people to himself and preparing them for the judgment to come. The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. They believe upon Jesus as the only Lord and Savior. The Father welcomes prodigals, those who are hiding in darkness, who are willing to confess their sins. He invites the proud, the self-righteous, all those who will humble themselves and trust in Christ's righteousness alone. Jesus came into the world, this hostile world, as a vulnerable little baby to show the way, the truth, and life, to be the way, the truth, and life, that we might flee the coming wrath and enter into an eternal kingdom of light. This has been a year of hardship. And perhaps Christmas is a little different this season. Christmas music probably began a little bit earlier this year on the radio stations. We've noticed that some of our, more of our neighbors have Christmas lights on their houses than usual. People are seeking hope, encouragement. I love the sights and sounds of Christmas But the true and lasting hope only comes through Jesus Christ. Recently on the radio, I was listening to Someday at Christmas, the popular song by Stevie Wonder. I read a part of it here. Someday at Christmas, men won't be boys, playing with bombs like kids play with toys. One warm December, our hearts will see a world where men are free. Someday at Christmas, there will be no wars, 
when we have learned what Christmas is for, when we have found what life's really worth, there will be peace on earth. Those are nice sentiments. Who doesn't hope for all these things? But I'm afraid Stevie Wonder's song is a humanistic hope in Christmas without Christ. What does the world truly need? The end of hunger, poverty, war, disease, pollution, racism, the need for education, the need for a vaccine. Some people think all you need is love. But what the world truly needs is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Deliverance from the judgment to come, a renewed relationship with the living God. The people in darkness need the light. Walk in the light. With Jesus, the light of the world. And never walk in darkness again. Let us pray. Our gracious God and Father, we are so grateful that you did not abandon us or leave us in darkness, but sent your Son to be the light of the world, to rescue us, to deliver us to give us hope and peace and joy in a new and living relationship with you. May we be your lights and witnesses this Christmas season. We pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. The Westminster Pulpit is courtesy of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. You are welcome to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 8 or 11 a.m. To learn more or have questions about the gift of salvation through Christ Jesus our Savior, contact us at westpca.com. Thank you, and may Christ be glorified through this ministry, the Westminster Pulpit.